In our Bibles tonight, we've got two of the names of Jesus to consider. We're, we're up to the letter E. We've looked at Jesus as God's elect. We looked at Jesus as Emmanuel. Lord willing, next Sunday, in, in follow-up to what we studied this morning, we'll see that Jesus is, the, is called in Scripture the Everlasting Father. And we will point out uh, more than a dozen places just from the book of John where something is said of the Father and of the Son. Jesus said, I and my Father are one. That will be next uh, Sunday. But tonight, uh, a, a, a designation or a title, not a name per se, Jesus is the express image of God the Father. And then we'll look at Jesus. He is called, one of his names in the Bible is the end. E-N-D, the end. So we'll take these, uh, not in alphabetical order, but in that order, express image, and then the end. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the Bible. How we pray, Lord, you'd bless your words to our hearts. Father, two of your people are suffering greatly tonight and standing, it would seem, at, at the very door of death. And we pray, God, that you would mercifully escort our brother Dignan through the valley of the shadow of death, that he might enter your presence and receive his well-earned reward. We pray for our sister Brenda. Uh, Lord, we, we don't want to lose her such joy in all her trials and such confidence in you through all her troubles. But Father, we, we know that her loved ones don't want to be parted from her, and so we pray with, with mixed feelings indeed, but we pray for her that you would continue to be gracious to her as you've been all the days of her life. And Father, we pray for our sister Carol in the hospital, our brother Dean as he faces surgery tomorrow, and then Lord Linda and Lily and others that are home uh, sick tonight with lesser infirmities, but ones that nonetheless they'd like to be delivered from. And Lord, we do pray and thank you tonight that we're not on that sick list and we're not in the hospital room tonight, and we're not in a rest home somewhere this evening. Thank you that we had the health and the strength to be where we would be tonight. And then thank you, Lord, for what you've done in our heart, uh, and so that this was the place we wanted to be. Thank you, Lord. All oh, the places we could be if it were not for Jesus. The things we could be pursuing tonight if you'd not saved our souls. Thank you, Father, for what you've done in our hearts. And we praise you, pray you'd help us study your word in Jesus' name, amen. All right, Hebrews chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 1 and John chapter 14, Hebrews 1 and John 14, Jesus Christ is said to be the express image of God, you may recall, if you have uh, just the, the slightest knowledge of Scripture, that God gave to the nation of Israel commandments on tables of stone. The, the introduction or the preface to those commandments were, were ten. Uh, they came to be known as the Ten Commandments, and, and people latch on to the Ten Commandments as though they were the only commandments. Uh, they, were, they were the preface to all the commandments. But in those ten, ten Commandments, God was very, very clear. When God spoke to man, He's very clear. Thou shalt have no other gods. That's what He said. 
Thou should have no other gods. One God, creator of heaven and the earth, and he forbade man to have any other gods. He said, thou should have no other gods before me. But look, if you don't have any other gods, you don't have to worry about whether or not you put them ahead of the one true God. So just don't have any other gods and you'll, you'll fulfill and you'll keep that commandment uh, in all of its details. But then he said, thou should not make unto thee any graven image. No likeness of anything in heaven, no likeness of anything on the earth, no likeness of anything under the earth, because God knew, and man proved him right, God knew man's tendency to worship things that he made with his own hands, rather than worship God. God knew man's tendency to bow down to things he could see, rather than put his faith and trust in the invisible God. And so the Lord expressly forbade idolatry. He expressly forbade image-making. Now, how much, how much more offensive to God when men make images of God or make images of the Son of God as though they somehow knew what He looked like or somehow could, could carve His facial features or paint them in a portrait, in a picture. And, and there's a real danger in that because we... we as humans, we tend to affix our heart upon the sight of our eyes. And we want to walk by sight and not by faith. And, and far too many people have bowed down today to an image of Jesus or a statue of Jesus or lit a candle in front of a, of a portrait of Jesus rather than worshiping Him in spirit and in truth. But there was one, one image... And only one image that was approved of God because that image was God. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter number 1, verse 1, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son, whom He hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also He made the world. So Jesus Christ, the Son, predates everything in the physical creation, whether it's visible or invisible. He predates it. God created, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, created in conjunction, in perfect unity, in perfect harmony, the triune God, the Father, the Word, the Holy Ghost, made the heavens and the earth. The Father made them to give to the Son. He appointed Him heir of all things. Verse number 3, Who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person and upholding all things by the word of His power, when He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Now, you have heard from childhood that God made man in His own image. Male and female created He them. Now, if God made the male in His image, and God made the female in His image, then the image is not His physical likeness and a reproduction of God's appearance to the eye of man. 
a man and a woman are quite different in their appearance. They are quite different in, in, in their form and in their shape and even the, 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 it, both internally and externally, a man and a woman are different. So when God said He made man in His own image, we've got to read the full statement. God said, one God said, let us make man in our image. And the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost made beings who were spirit and soul and body. A triune God made a triune being. That's why it's not... You say, well, well, dogs aren't made in the image of God. Man is made in the image of God because God has two legs, not four legs. No, dogs aren't made in the image of God because they have a body and a spirit, but they have no soul. A horse is not made in the image of God. It has nothing to do with what they look like. They have a body and they have a spirit, but they have no soul. That's why there is no commandment not to take, forbidding you to take the life of a beast, but there is a commandment forbidding you to take the life of a man or the life of a woman because they are made in the image and likeness of God. You tonight, every one of you, has a soul, a spirit, and a body. That's, that's the image of God. The Bible doesn't say that Jesus Christ came into the world as the image of God. But the Bible says that Jesus Christ came into the world as the image, now look, of His person. Of His person. Jesus did not come into the world so now you would know what color God's hair is. That's why you're never told what color Jesus' hair was. Jesus didn't come into the world so you'd finally know how tall, how, how heavy, what skin color, and so forth, belonged to God. He wasn't the image of God's physique. He wasn't the image of God's appearance because God had no appearance. He was the image of His person. For the first time, there is a man walking on this earth who is the full and absolute manifestation of love. For the first time, there is a man walking on this earth who is absolutely righteous. For the first time, there is a man walking on this earth who could say, I am the truth. You see, it's God's person that matters to each and every one of us. Nobody is saved tonight because God is handsome. We are saved tonight because God is love. No one is saved tonight because God has huge biceps. We're saved tonight because God is merciful. No one is saved tonight because of the beauty of his eyes and, and the perfect formation of his facial features. It's the person of God that provided us with salvation. God is the God of all grace. God is a God of love. God is a God of truth and without iniquity. Just and right is He. God is light. God, all of these attributes that make up who God is, Jesus came to this earth so we could see them manifest in a body of human flesh. The amazing thing about the Old Testament to me from the very first time I read it was how un, un, 
blushingly, it exposes the flaws of its greatest heroes. Noah, what a great story of building that ark. And what a dreadful sequel of a man passed out drunk. Abraham, what a great story of a man following the call of God and leaving his homeland and looking up at the stars of the sky and putting such great faith in God. And then you turn a page and find out what an awful husband he was. Disappointing. But over and over again, God sets forth the best of men and then shows them to be sinful and defective and failures. So when we finally turn the page on the New Testament, why the light of the life of the Lord Jesus almost knocks our eyes out. Because here is a man examined, scrutinized, followed, criticized. Uh, men set traps for him. They set snares for him. They, they lay plots to, to find one accusation against him. And through them all, we see the person of God on display. Walking this earth, not aloof on the other side of the universe where he could not be tempted. Not sitting out there in, in glory where he didn't have to deal with the things that you and I have to deal with. But down here amongst the cursing and the swearing and the lying and the publicans and the sinners and the false religion and the temptation of the devil and all the rest of it. He walked right through it. Undefiled. He was the person of God, imaged. See? So you could see not what God looked like, but what God is like. Not only that, the Bible says in, in this third, third verse, who being the, the brightness of His glory and the express, the express image of His person. The express image of his person. We try. It might be at a, at a wedding reception. It might be at a funeral. We try to express our good wishes. And, and sit down afterwards and say, that, that, wasn't just, that wasn't quite what I wanted to say. We stand at a funeral and, and we have the best of intentions of, of really telling how much this person meant to us. But our tears and our emotion and our sorrow get a hold of us and we begin to weep and we lose our train of thought. And, and somebody rushes up with a handkerchief and by the time we sit down, uh, everybody knows we love this individual, but we just made a mess of it. We have a very difficult time expressing, gentlemen... Our love. We have a very difficult time expressing what's bothering us, ladies, so we just say nothing. We, 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 we all have trouble communicating our heart. We all have trouble expressing how we really feel. Stating clearly what we really mean or what we really believe. Haven't we all been frustrated at some time or another that we just couldn't get across to somebody what we were trying to tell them? God 
God at sundry times said, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll give them prophets. And the prophets just didn't convey it. Not, not fully. And he said, well, I'll give them kings. And, and, and they got some of it right, but some of it they didn't get right. And he said, well, I'll give them in every way God ever tried to speak to man. Left the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost saying, you know, we, we still obviously haven't gotten the point across. Man still doesn't really know what we're trying to tell him. And when Jesus Christ came and hung on that cross between two thieves and bare our sins in his body on that cross and died so that our souls could be saved, he expressed everything God had been trying to say for 4,000 years. And when he cried, it is finished, God said, Put that in a love letter and send it to mankind. That's what I've been trying to tell them. He's the express image of God. He is God told to man as no man could tell it. Praise the Lord. Look in your Bible in John chapter 14. John 14. Verse number 5, Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him, and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord... Show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, Show us the Father? How about that? Philip said, We want to see God. And Jesus said, You're looking at him. Now, now, think about this. If Jesus had come into the world with three heads and serpents for hair, everybody would have known he wasn't one of them. Right? If Jesus had come into the world 18 feet tall with a thunderbolt in his hand, men would have known he wasn't one of them. See, all of these mythological gods can easily be identified because they're so different from men. But God was manifest, not as God, but as man. He was manifest in the flesh. If he was the only guy in town with a glowing circle on top of his head, everybody would have known he's not one of us. If he's radiating some aura about everybody would have known he's not one of us. If everybody talked normal and Jesus talked like this all the time, 
like those crazy movies about Jesus, everybody would have said, what's wrong with that guy? But the fact that people spent years with him and did not recognize that he was God shows that he was not the manifestation of God's physical, supernatural, bodily presence. But he said, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, he must be referring to something other than the physical appearance. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. No man hath power in the day of death, but I have power. I will lay down my life. I will take it up again. I am the life. Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up again. It was the truth that Jesus spoke. It was the love that Jesus uh, shed abroad. It was the kindness and the mercy that Jesus... It, look, it's not what He looked like. We love the Lord tonight. And the Bible says, Whom having not seen, we love. I don't love His looks. I love His person. And so this matter of Jesus showing God to man, He didn't show men what God looked like. He showed men what God is like. And they saw, they saw God manifest in the flesh. And they said, away with this man, crucify him, and nailed him to a cross. Why? Because they loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. The judge that presided over his trial, he said, I find no fault in this man. All your witnesses are false. All their testimony is unproven. All of your accusations are unjust. I will loose him and let him go. And to content the people, he crucified him. Now what did they see? They didn't nail him to a cross because he was without form and comeliness. They didn't nail him to a tree because he had no beauty that we should desire him. They nailed him to a cross because he was love in the midst of hatred. He was truth in the midst of lies. He was righteousness in the midst of depravity. He was holiness in the midst of reprobation. And the man who loved their sin crucified the Lord of glory. Now to this day, to this day, people are not offended by pictures, supposed pictures of Jesus. They are not offended by statues, supposed statues of Jesus. Because those images never say to them, you must repent. Those portraits never say to them, you have sinned and come short of my glory. It is the declaration of God's truth in the person of Jesus Christ that sinful men still find so very, very offensive. But he is the express image of God's person. This is why men like to make gods. Because the gods they make, they can control. 
The gods they make, they can dismiss. The gods they make, they can put in a closet. The gods they make don't have any rules for them. But this real God, this true God, this living God, who tells you what to do and what not to do and then brings you into judgment if you come short of that, He's a real problem for men that love sin. So, thank God, Jesus Christ, He didn't show us what God looked like. He showed us what God is like. Praise the Lord. All right, how about the end? Let's come to Revelation 21. Revelation chapter 21. Revelation 21. Verse number... Well, let's start at verse 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. So there's your environmentalism. There's all your Save the Earth programs. They're all doomed to failure. And there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for a husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them, and they shall be His people, and God Himself shall be with them and be their God. Now, Think about that bride adorned for a husband. I don't believe the city is coming down in a long white dress with a veil on. Think about this. What's he, what's he saying? That bride adorned for her husband, everybody her family could afford to hire, has put their combined efforts into making her as beautiful as she can possibly be in that moment. Correct? If the place God has prepared for you is as beautiful as God can possibly make it. That's what he's saying. You can't begin to comprehend where you're going. It is not that sunset fascinating? Is not that sunrise beautiful? Those stars in a clear sky are mind-boggling. Look, I know this world's full of sin, but the waterfalls, the ocean breaking on the shore, the rivers running through the forest, the mountains when the, when the leaves are bursting in springtime, oh, that's all under a curse. What God is bringing down out of heaven in Revelation 21 is something that is as beautiful as God can make it. Wow. Wow. You're going to have to get your body glorified before you see it. Because you couldn't handle it in this one. So, down it comes. And the Bible says, verse number 4, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be no more pain, for the former things are passed away. Hallelujah. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst the fountain of the water of life freely. Okay, here's, here's how I want us to think about this just for a couple of minutes. We've talked about Jesus as the Alpha and Jesus as the beginning. 
Everything starts with Him. He's the origin of all that's good and all that's true and all that's right. He's creator, heavens and earth, all that. It all starts with Him. But Jesus as being the end. In the context, everything that ever brought a tear to the eye has run its course. And at the end of the course, Jesus is still there. Everything that ever drew our affection away from the Lord is gone. The earth is gone. The heavens are gone. Everything we thought was so great about this life and everything that brought us so much heartache in this life, it's all gone. And what's left? Jesus. Jesus. When you've finished making your way through all the thorns and thistles and briars and all the sweat of your brow and all the toil of your labor in this cursed earth, God will do away with all of that and what will be left? Jesus Christ. He is the end. When sickness comes, when disease comes, when heartache comes, when pain comes, when family trouble comes, we, here's, we, we say, if we don't say it out loud, we say it in our heart, I just don't know how this is going to end. Now you do. It's going to end with Jesus. If you're saved, that's where it ends. When the tears are over, there's Jesus. When the sorrow is over, there's Jesus. When the pain and death is over, there's Jesus. When the play toys and vanities of this world are burned up, there's Jesus. When the distractions and the weights and the sins of this world are done away with, there's Jesus. He's the end. Praise God. You know, it's, I, I, I don't know what it's like, really, to live to live in a third world country or to live in a country that's not even reached third world status. I, I don't. Brother Fair, he grew up in, in New Guinea, going back there, heading out just a few weeks. Praise God. I'm, I'm glad. I, don't, I, I, I visited those places. I've not lived there. Whenever I've been there, I've said, well, I can make do because it's only X number of days until I go back to, you know, Disneyland. It's where we all live. So, I'm not sure if those cultures are as ensnaring as this culture is. But I know just the function in this society. From the time you wake up in the morning to the time you go to bed at night, there is something trying to take your mind off Jesus Christ. There is something trying to get your attention besides the Lord Jesus Christ. And it might not be sin. It might just be paying bills and earning a living and, and keeping a roof on the house and keeping shoes on the kids' feet and all that. And I, 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 like I say, I don't know. I, I guess if you live in a country where there aren't any shoes and there aren't any roofs and there isn't any food, uh, you're probably occupied from the time you get up in the morning, time you go to bed at night with finding something to eat so you don't starve to death. So it'd be a different set of of circumstances, I'm just telling you, it is so very difficult to get up in the morning and pray and say, Lord, I want to live this day for you. 
and to make it a half hour without getting derailed. And God, today, help me. I'm just going to keep my heart right with you and I'm going to keep my mind on you. And and today I'm not going to let anything else uh, turn me away. I'm just going to pray to you all day and worship you all day. And it doesn't last until you're dressed. It's true. I don't care how spiritual you are when you wake up. If the pipe's leaking... You got to deal with the pipe leaking. If one of the kids is sick, you got to deal with one of the kids being sick. The dog ripped the furniture up, you got to deal with well, what do I do first? You know, fix the furniture or shoot the dog or <laughs> I shoot the dog and my wife shoots me. So what do I do? You know? Come on. You, you, you know what I'm saying? I'm going home from church this afternoon and we had, I, I think we had good. Church service morning. I enjoyed it. We had good fellowship. We had the Lord's Supper, and I'm 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 going down. To, I'm going. I'm I'm 55 in a 55 zone. I was impressed. I'm going 55, 55 zone, and this car. They, I mean, full speed, full speed. They come. They come right out of the road, past the fairgrounds, and just right in front of me. And I am hoping that my car doesn't tip over as I swerve to avoid them. And for a few minutes there. Nothing that I learned in church that morning was having any effect upon me whatsoever. I didn't see my life flash in front of my eyes. I saw that driver's life flash in front of my eyes, and it was going to be a short one. And so I'm, I'm just telling you, it's really, really hard to have a spouse and children and a job and a vehicle and a home and church to go to, and bills to pay, and keep your heart and mind stayed on Jesus Christ. It's very difficult. But one day, that's going to be gone, and 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 that's going to be gone. And when all of that stuff is behind us, what's at the end of the road? Jesus Christ. He's the end. Now, that's, that's a great destination. Apostle Paul said, I press toward the mark, the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What was his finish line? It's Jesus Christ. He's the end. So, if you want to know how the Middle East thing's going to end, it's going to end with Jesus. If you want to know how the world government thing's going to end, it's going to end with Jesus. If you want to know how your life's going to end if you're saved, it's going to end with Jesus. If you want to know how your troubles and trials and problems are going to end, they're going to end with Jesus. He's the end. Now, I don't know how deep the valleys are between here and there, and I don't know how difficult the mountains are to climb between here and there, but I know when we get to the end of this thing, it'll be Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Look at Ephesians chapter number 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1. I didn't, I didn't see it, didn't listen to it, but I, I can tell you what happened. A week or two ago, maybe a week ago, maybe two weeks ago, I understand, they had the, the, the World Series, which is quite a name for something that only American teams can participate in. But anyway, they had, they had the World Series, and, and one team or another won the World Series. I'm sure they did. Somebody always wins the World Series. So they had the World Series, and they won the World Series. And as soon as they won the World Series, what did they do? I didn't see it, but I know what they did. They started drinking booze and pouring booze all over each other and, and guzzling booze. And that's because that's what 
people do when they've won the world. Well, we've won the world. What do we do now? <laughs> get drunk. <laughs> it's a very low mountain. I mean, when you get to the very top, it's not all that high. But here's what happened. I, I, I promise you, the next day, the interviewers were asking the team what they thought their chances were of winning next year. Because no matter how high you go, it wasn't as high as you thought it was going to be. And no matter how great your victory, it wasn't the last victory. Right? We signed the armistice. Peace. We won. You know what you do that night? Your generals meet to decide where you have to put the troops to keep the war from breaking out again tomorrow. You're not going to see the end until there's nothing left but Jesus. And when there's nothing left but Jesus, from that point, He will start this thing all over again without the tears, without the death, without the sorrow, without the curses, without the pain. And the end will be the beginning. Because see, He's... The one who is the end is the beginning, and the one who is the omega is the alpha. And he said, I am the end. Behold, I make all things new. See that? So what's going, what, he's the end of what? Everything unpleasant. So that he can start over again and make this thing as he intended it to be before sin entered. Now, where are you going to be in all that? Ephesians 1. Verse number 9, Ephesians 1, 9. Having made known unto us the mystery of His will, according to the, His good pleasure which He hath purposed in Himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in Him, verse 12, that we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ. So, when all these times, God who at diverse times, God who in sundry manners, the dispensation of this and the dispensation of that, the dispensation of the other, when all that's run its course, what's left? Saved people praising Jesus. That's the end. How's this thing going to end? That's how it's going to end. The Lord on the throne in the new Jerusalem, creating a new heavens and a new earth, and everyone saved from this present evil world, worshiping Him forever. He's the end. That's where we're going. Romans 11. One more verse. Romans chapter 11. Romans, the 11th chapter. And the 36th verse. For of Him, and through Him, and to Him, are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. Forever is the place where Jesus gets glory. That's the end. 
sing a lot of songs about the end of the road. Many a book has been written and two words at the close of it, the end. But it wasn't the end. There'll be another book next week and a, another adventure next week. And, but when we stand before Jesus, everything that was started when Satan rose up against God will finally come to an end. And everything that entered this world in our lives when man fell in the garden will come to an end. And what will be left? The Son of God. That's all right with me. It's all right with me. May God help us to look at everything else as temporary and remember the permanent, the one permanent thing in our lives, our relationship to Jesus Christ. Let's make that the main thing, the most important thing. Amen. All right, let's have the singers come to sing at this time. After the singers sing, we will go off the air and we'll have a little family chit-chat.